Hey everybody, Stuart here with Reanimated. HA and I are out and about enjoying the holidays, some travels. We'll be back with you pretty soon, but in the meantime, I'm going to leave you with Anna and the Apocalypse, an encore presentation of episode 201 of the podcast. It's one of the few zombie movies about Christmas and the holidays, uh, and it's a pretty damn good musical to boot. You know, one thing I did note with this film, and so I got to see this in New York at a screening um, where they actually had Ella Hunt do a Q&A afterwards. And one of the things that I thought was interesting, because everybody, and you see this in news articles and things like that, everybody keeps talking about how low budget it is, but there really isn't a lot of information about actually what it costs. I did find something like very small that basically it was around a million and change. Um, which is actually pretty low budget for a movie like this. But I think it's interesting that they chose not to talk about the actual number because a million doesn't sound as low budget as, say, like 500,000 would. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, thinking about that and what a production would cost, the costuming, the music, the core, all that stuff, um, That this is a pretty well-done film, I think, for that budget. Um, but I kind of wish they had been a little bit more open about what it was in general. Um so do you know any of the background of this film? Only from what where we've been sitting here in reanimated headquarters where I wanted to see this when it first was uh, promoted in 2017 when it was hitting uh, film festivals in Austin, which is apparently the first time the cast even got to see the movie was in Texas, right. which seems a little bit unfair. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it languished for a while. So I don't know what happened between 2017 and its actual release uh, at the end of last year. Do you have any idea? Um, no. Um, it, they showed the little box office in the Wikipedia article, which is a little bit over 600000 Is is what it has made. But I'm wondering if it's going to make back a lot just with Amazon. And, you know, they were pretty uh, just heavily promoting this in general um, to, to try to get you to buy it ahead of time. Um, and my guess is that there will be a, yet another push probably – in the next Christmas season so that they can can make money on that. And I have a feeling it's going to ha- make a lot more money on the streaming end of things eventually. It's just going to take a little bit of time. I do want to talk about um, Ryan uh, McHenry a little bit. Um, and uh, Ryan McHenry was a Scottish film director, and this is what the film was based upon, um, the zombie musical. It's a short, it's honest, it's okay, and you can see a little bit of the flavor of this coming through. Um, but what he is probably more known for is the uh, Ryan Gosling doesn't want to eat his cereal shorts. Um, did you ever see those? Yeah. yeah. Um, and unfortunately, he died uh, during the production of this film. Um, and or maybe a little bit ahead of it. He had cancer. They thought it was in remission and it came back. And it, it was really, it's a tragedy on many levels. But one of the things that once we finish our review, it's in, or we can talk about it during the review, is that he had a very specific vision about what this would be, which was much more Shaun of the Dead um, and definitely dark, but but fun throughout. And so the people uh, that were left to to sort of work with this film and and not, I I don't know. I think it's in part because it was left. Um, John McPhail 
is the director of this. Um, and then the screenplay, the other person who helped with this, who, who did the screenplay was Alan McDonald. And I think that they were impacted certainly by, uh, by Ryan's death. Um, but also had a different vision for what those would be. And I think it became, the themes became a lot darker. Um, but not necessarily out of line with a zombie film in the first place. So, but it is a zombie musical. So I think, it's you know, not I, dark overall, I would say. This is, eh, there's darker pieces that I think he, as I said, he was much more wanting this to be a little bit happy and, and peppy throughout. Mm. Um, and not necessarily have some of the, the things like toward the end. Um, but why don't we, we hop into it um, and let's talk about the cast. Well, you, you mentioned Ella Hunt. She is the lead. She's the hero. There's kind of no uh, no mixing that message. Uh, I think she does a pretty good, she does a great job. She seems to be a good singer. She has these doleful eyes that uh, sort of just have seemed to, she seems to be pretty sad a lot of the time, which I think her character is kind of supposed to be generally a little bit sad throughout the film. Yeah. She's got a little bit of ennui going on. Um, and this was really, I mean, I have to say just watching her in the Q&A and she probably had had to do like a ton of those, but she was so extraordinarily polished and um, you know how it is at those kinds of things because there's obviously going to be a lot of uh, zombie film fans at these kinds of things. Um, and she was taking a lot of negative questions <laughs> and handling it really well. Um, so you say there was was a lot of like weird, oh, you're so attractive. I would like to date you kind of weird stuff too. Um, there were a couple of those questions. Um, but primarily, and I think we, I don't know if we talked about this, but one of the things that this film came under fire for was that people felt like it didn't do anything new. Like it, it yanked a lot from Shaun of the Dead. Um, and there's a specific scene, like the one that I think everybody saw in the trailers where they're, you know, dancing through the apocalypse without really noticing. And a lot of people took issue with that. And there were like three different people in the theater that were not, they were just like, honestly, they were being jerks. And she didn't, she's not the director, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like, and she handled it with honestly such grace. I was, I wanted to applaud her. I thought she did a phenomenal job of diffusing it and just basically saying, like, you know, Every it, like she viewed it more as an homage, and I think that's what the directors did. And um, you know, zombie films, as we've seen, they reference each other all the time. Yeah. So I don't know. I I kind of see what some of the critics are saying, but I just think people were getting a little too worked up about it. And I de- I think especially in this scenario, the audience was really. I mean, I, she managed to turn this situation, and she came out looking good. She just was like very even and redirected in a way that I was truly impressed with. And I've seen other actors like that are a lot more experienced, not able to turn the tide like that in such a way. Yeah. So she's not a, she's a young woman. I mean, she's uh, 20. Yeah. She was probably less than that then. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh man. And, but overall I think people need to, to be a little bit, but not a little bit. People just need to generally be more respectful my because own, it's, yeah. I don't know, it's just annoying to me that like you have somebody there who can answer really cool questions and then you're talking to them about that kind of thing. I yeah, the wrong kind of questions. So my only critique of, of the performance was that uh, I, I mean, this, this could be down to the choreography too, but I didn't really dig her dancing that much. There were a couple scenes where she had to like dance 
Yeah, I uh, think she I was. was like, no. I don't think she's a dancer. <laughs> Didn't strike me as a dancer. Yeah, playing across from her, Malcolm Cumming is John, and um, he's a lot of fun to look at. Uh, just to watch. I love him. He does a great job on screen. Uh, mm-hmm. Steph is the American in the cast. Kind of just happens to be there. Uh, somebody calls her Annie Lennox. Is it as like yep. a, a they're teasing her at some point, and then there's a scene in the bowling alley where I think she actually looks a lot like Annie Lennox for a second. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. She also is uh, the chari- she's cha- she's choreographer for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize. Well, she's she's good. She does a good job. Uh, her, I like a lot of her facial expressions, and um, she plays socially awkward pretty well, pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I don't remember who Chris. Oh, yeah, Chris, of course, the the video guy. Mm-hmm. Sure, great job. Uh, ben Wiggins is the the jock, Nick, and he, yeah, he's unlikable. If that was the job, the mission accomplished. And then yeah, on and on. But the one, uh, so Paul K is Arthur Savage, the headmaster. Do you recognize him from Game of Thrones? I do. Um, but he also did like he does like. I think stand-up or other stuff. Like, I think he's a well-known kind of comedian, maybe. And he plays this in a very character actory kind of a way. So, uh, I don't know him from, from that, but he is Thoros, the... the what is, I forget what... He's, like, from across the sea. He lights his sword on fire. In the books, yeah. he's quite an iconic character. In the TV show, he hasn't gotten nearly as much screen time. Nope. But... Um, oh. It's cool to see him doing something completely different. And so, and I, he, you could tell. I mean, at least I, it seemed to me like he was having a lot of fun. He did seem to be enjoying himself. Role. Yeah. Um, and then we've also got um, Marley uh, Sue, who's Lisa, who is the girlfriend of uh, of Chris, basically. Yeah. Um, and they're like our our kind of happy, normal teenage couple. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've got and Mark um, Benton is is Emma's, yeah. uh, Ella's dad or Anna Shepard's dad, um, <laughs> who gets yeah. So let's let's talk. Um, I guess let's talk about the movie a little bit. Uh, this song this movie has nine tracks in it, nine songs. Mm-hmm. I guess nine musical numbers. And um, overall, as taken as a whole, I really enjoyed them. Did you have a favorite? Um, I definitely thought that. Um, the two, the sort of two big set pieces in the beginning were, and I mean, I think they're meant to be that way, but, um, um, you know, waiting to turn my, turning my life around. And then, um, the one in the lunchroom, uh, Hollywood the Hollywood ending, ending. Yeah. those two were very, very catchy. Um, and, uh, close third is the fish wrap, which I really love. <laughs> I mean, that's hardly okay if you count that that's 10 it's still I, it's still on the soundtrack and it makes me really happy did you get the soundtrack yes of course i did okay. actually bill got the soundtrack oh wow <laughs> well done um yeah so I, I it caught me off guard I, I knew this was a musical but then they start singing that first song the gotta break away one and it, my my brain always has to do this when i watch a musical i'm like all right so is, are they actually singing Nobody's reacting to them like they just broke into song. So this is like their inner monologue. It's like basically yeah. song song acts as an inner monologue in a musical. Is that correct? Is that how this is supposed to work? Yeah, but I think in this case, that's definitely the way they sort of have different teachers and stuff getting into it. I think people are, you know, it's not supposed to actually be happening, but yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, it's giving you it's giving you some background. It's giving you the internal struggle, all that kind of thing. Yeah, it just takes a, um, takes a second for my brain to switch from okay, this is everything is as you see it uh, to something a little more abstract, which is kind of musicals are abstract in that way, right? Right. And what I would say is that when I uh, went to this, I made Bill go, and Bill actually likes musicals a lot, and I don't think he quite knew what he was getting into when he saw this, and he was so happy for the first three songs, um, and I think enjoyed that a lot more than he thought he would, so um, I remember when the first one started, and he was like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, Hence the the buying of the soundtrack. Yeah, I, um, I kind of wish that my uh, that my wife had been around when I started watching this, but she came home later than you know, like in the last 20, 30 minutes of the film. So she only caught the last three tracks, which hmm. are not not the not best. Not strong. But um, it's still when it like takes it takes all of the tension, all of the fear out of the scene when because these are like supposed this is the the scary climax of the movie right where they're in the lunchroom and the yeah. and savage is singing at them through the through the the cafeteria fence or whatever that thing is and it's she's so my wife does not enjoy zombie movies we know about this on on this show yep. uh but as soon as the singing starts it's like oh yeah, fine i have this yep. is no problem i got this so it's it's cool for casuals i guess <laughs> I yeah say. i guess so um, um, I guess I, I like those first two tracks a lot too, and then I also really like the "I'm Ready," the the zombie yeah. dawn song. Even though if even if I didn't love the the, the dancing, um, yeah, I really just loved what Malcolm Cumming was doing in that in that song. Yeah, no, he did a great job. Um, and one thing I will say is that I did think that the choreography, especially in Hollywood ending, was very good. Yeah, um, and I thought some of it was pretty good in uh, turning my life around. Um, but like especially the way the lunchroom is set up and you have like all these characters that are kind of joining in like random teachers and mm-hmm. you know i thought that was a lot of fun you know what's and- funny about how random that is is when you read the the credits at the end of the film that scene is almost is is it has the whole ensemble cast in it i'm pretty sure except for some of the parents who show up later and and chris's grandmother but it's um it's a lot of extras hired by like some talent agency like it's it's listed in the credits like for this uh for the hollywood ending scene in the cafeteria it's right. they show like the four agencies like uh crowds on call or something right <laughs> and another just what i'm talking about the the end credits and apparently the budget of the film the uh the end crawl was done by endcrawl.com <laughs> <laughs> which you just don't see that in, in movies so i i kind of enjoyed seeing that it felt it feels unpretentious in a way. Right. They're just like they're um, putting this thing together with nuts and bolts, which I like. Um, I definitely got the sense that, and, and I understood, like, I totally got, especially for the first, I feel like the first half of the film was a lot tighter than the second half, personally. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think some of it may have been budget issues, like maybe you have a lot to work with and you kind of thought out these first parts of it. it I think it would be interesting to know whether... Um, how much was done like because i it's not clear to me how much was finished just in terms of like the storytelling and everything uh before uh ryan McHenry died um but i also feel like with a film like this where you've got this budget and you want to like focus on it you want to bring people in from the beginning i definitely feel like i was really into it up until like the pageant scene i guess um 
and no, then that's it not too to, far into it. I know. Um, and a little bit after the pageant scene, like I definitely liked the, I, I agree with you. I liked the, the, the whole song with, uh, what's his face? The jerk. Why am I? Oh, like, you like the top of my class. I'm a soldier at war. That song. I didn't love that, but I liked the, the sort of like way that that narrative was going just in terms of sort of tweaking what the characters were thinking about this world. Yeah. Um, but, um, but the ending I did feel was not as strong as it could have been. Um, so, mm. uh, you know, I like, but again, budget constraints and all that. Um, one thing that I did note and I thought, I mean, granted it is in Scotland, but this is a very, very white cast. And I think that, uh, <laughs> they're just kind of dealing with what they got in Scotland. And I get that, but it's it felt markedly white. You say um, this compared. is in Scotland, but I'm also like, who even in this movie even has a Scottish accent? There's like two characters. Well, Ella John does. John, <clears throat> sorry, John. Yes. and his best friend. Yes, he he is one of the only people. Maybe um, maybe Lisa has one. It's hard. To, I'm not yeah. good at accents. But Ella and her dad both. He has a Northern England accent. He's from yeah. the actors from north of York, so he's. Yeah, he's closer to Scotland than anybody else, but it's still an English accent. And hers is just London. Hers is a lo- yeah, yeah, yeah. They so don't even try not. to like make it seem like these two sh- people should have grown up in the same house. Is one of the right. is a critique <laughs> yeah, I guess that-, that I could have. And and there's just not enough Scotland going on. I I want some really broad Scottish accents, which I guess is a good thing they didn't have them because also when I rented this on Amazon Prime, there's no subtitles. So maybe I yeah. should uh, be careful what I wish for and just be happy that I got a bunch of understandable people. Right. Um, I, you know, that's just a small note and I get the constraints, but it would have been nice to see a little bit more, uh, of a diverse cast in this. Um, but in any case, um, I, like, I did think that this was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's very, the teenage angst, the whole, like, girl who wants to get out of her small town and travel and then other things become more important. Um, I really liked the relationship between Anna and John, um, though tragic as it as it ends up being ultimately. But you kind of could see. I don't know if you called this, but I was like, "This is not going to end well." Even from the first scene with them in the car together, <laughs> I was like, "This is he's too endearing." Yeah, and you're right. The I... world's the world's too good for him, and I was really bummed out up until the point where, of course, he he you know sacrifices himself. Like I just uh, he had like. The black mark on him from the get-go. I kind of feel like that this just toes some some lines that I feel like are, are developing in romantic comedies for the whatever the generation after millennials is going to be called. Um, where you, it's Generation n- Z, you mean? Sure, whatever. You know, like, I, I kind of hate generation labels, but uh, as a Gen Xer, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean for, about my life. Um because I feel like I saw this in this in the Netflix uh, original uh, All the Boys to All the Boys I Loved Before I think it was called I don't know if you ever saw that I watched it with Holly you know as as, as one will uh, where the girl ends up with an unlikely guy and in this case the girl kind of ends up with Nick who is a complete raging asshole from the mm. for the for the like seventy five percent of the movie and sure they don't end up together romantically but they are literally like the last heterosexual couple. Uh, in the world, because well, their friend, could... their friend uh, Steph is, uh, you know, is 
swings for the other team, as it were. Um, she does, but if you notice, the two of them end up in the front seat together. So I think that there is some sort of implication that maybe Ella's in the that back is going to... Oh, is she in the yeah. back seat? Oh, sorry. Well, no, maybe it was the other way. I, I forget. But okay, I, oh. I'm not reading much into where they're sitting in the car. But they, they definitely, the film does not give... Uh, what's this? John... Uh, a fighting chance, as we know. Like Ella no. shoots him down halfway through the film, puts him uh, that's the worst. squarely that's in the, the friend worst. zone. And it's actually from there that you know that he's doomed. Yeah. Um, I don't... Well, so I had a little bit of a different take. I was actually really happy that there was no... Even though she kind of ends up as a survivor um, with, you know, the jerky guy, yeah. uh, with, with Nick, um, I don't think that... I don't think that there's the implication that they're necessarily together. Um, and, uh, you know, not, I'm not saying that her and Steph are going to get together or anything like that, but I don't, I don't get the sense that any of them are going to necessarily be romantically involved. That's and fair. so, so, and I, and I was glad they did not do that because basically she's just like, yeah, you're still a jerk. Um, but his character changes so much from the beginning to the end of the film. It does. By the end of the film, he is a sympathetic character. We're kind of like, yeah, I'm glad that you're, with him because he's he can handle himself and now he's a now mm-hmm. he's a nice guy and maybe now we consider him as the audience like uh, a, a potentially a decent mate or whatever the hell we're gonna you know a good a good couple whereas john who was without argument like the best person the best guy in this mm-hmm. film except for maybe her, uh, her dad also is not super open-minded at the beginning of the film so john is the guy he's the one he's the he's yeah. the best but she doesn't want anything to do with him beyond joking around and making snow angels. Hmm. It's just, it's, it's a tough break. And I think it's interesting that I feel like I've seen this in a couple of other films in the, all the boys I love before movie. She ends up with the jock, which, uh, but the jock also has like nuance. He's like got more sides to him. And so it's like an interesting, he is an interestingly written character. Nick does not have nearly as many angles. There's not enough time to develop those. But he does become a lot more sympathetic by the end of the film. So that's the observation I had was I'm curious if this is a trend. Um, and well, then it, I don't think this is a new trend because this is way back to the pretty in pink conundrum, which is yeah. that um, basically that that main character that was played by Molly Ringwald was supposed to like they actually did tests with test audiences where she ends up with Ducky, which I think most people and most women will agree that Ducky is the character you love the most mm-hmm. um, in terms of like her potential love interest. And everybody doesn't understand why she doesn't end up with that guy. Cause he's like the best. Um, and instead she ends up with Andrew McCarthy, who looks like he's like 30 years old <laughs> in the movie mm-hmm. um, and doesn't really seem to have many redeeming qualities. Um, he, you know, um, he hands out his best friend, his name's Steph. Steph's a jerk. Um, you know. I, I was thinking about uh, Molly Ringwald movies when I was thinking about this argument, and I couldn't remember who she ended up with. And, well, I have, and I had so in a that film, she that ends up with was, Andrew McCarthy, yeah. and then obviously there's a lot of issues with it, but Sixteen Candles, she also ends up with Jacques, not the, the geek. Um, and then apparently in a, as a reaction to this, uh, John Hughes did uh, some kind of wonderful, and th- but in that, it's the guy protagonist, and he ends up... Um, with uh Mary Stuart Masterson instead of uh Leah whatever her name was um and but that's a very different dynamic just because it's the guy that's the sort of you know the uh, part of the the love triangle versus um a woman with two men 
So then, so it, it's interesting. In, um, in, in future I, generations of these films, in rom coms in the '90s and early 2000s, like the, the Freddie Prince Jr. era, it, yeah. the, I, I know that we went through this phase of like. A uh, girl takes off glasses, shakes out hair. And <laughs> it become, looks amazing. It looks amazing. And then, like, th- th- there were those films, which don't really mirror or parallel what we're talking about now. But has there ever been a time when the the female lead ends up with the correct guy from, like, a personality perspective? I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I'm sure there is. Um, I'm sure there is. Uh, but... I can't think of it offhand. I'm sure some of our our listeners can come up with something too, and I'll have to think about it. But I know that there is. Um, it's not something we're used to talking about on Reanimated, so I apologize. No, I'm like you caught me a little <laughs> bit off guard. Uh, the rom com thing is more of Bill's uh, forte than mine. <laughs> I fully admit. So another thing, um, though, another trend, maybe trend, maybe not, is how. Um, sex is addressed in this film and it's not like it's center it's just mentioned once or twice that ella's mm-hmm. had a lot of boyfriends that she does and she also says at one point i don't care about sex um she, but you know she's talking to nick in this scene and she says you know you, you hurt my feelings when you shared a bunch of personal stuff that i told you with people but i didn't care right. i don't care about sex like and so this kind of like a- approaching sex is something that isn't this like sacred taboo uh, it just seems like it's not as much of a taboo subject anymore. Um, I think you're right that they actually address this in a way that, you know, just makes it somewhat normal. And you also have the relationship between uh, Chris and Lisa, and they are clearly having sex all the time. Um, and monogamous, her su- right? Like, oh, yeah, monogamous, but like... solo, or not solo, but yeah, one-on-one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then they also have, I mean, there there is a scene with Lisa with her dirty uh, Christmas song, which is hilarious. I want to bang um, Santa or whatever. Yep, yeah, yeah. Um But that <laughs> one is like, you know, it, but I, I think it's taking it with a sense of humor. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a, a theme here. Um, you know, but do you want to like talk about some of the stuff that they do pull from the, the the criticism in terms of the Shaun of the Dead esque stuff. Sure. What do you got? I honestly was not picking up on it much. So, well, I think clearly there's the you know the obvious, which I look. I think Shaun of the Dead did this, but I think lots of movies do this, and it's sort of a zombie film specifically where it's that you know the the zombie plague is indicated or whatever is happening is indicated. We in this we hear it from the get go on the news report when they're in the car. Mm-hmm. Going into school, uh, Anna and her buddy John are being driven to school by her dad. Um, and there's a news report about this crazy flu and that it's causing. And, you know, it does a, kind of a similar thing um, that they do with Shaun the Dead, where it's like they cut off the news report right a, right as it's about to tell people that they're reanimating. Um, and then you see sort of hints of it uh, throughout, like in the background, like different people that are clearly infected. Well, she shoulder um, checks a zombie also when she's yeah. leaving school in that day. So yeah, that that scene. Yeah, I was like there's funny. there's stuff like that, and they do that with Shaun of the Dead as well. And but you know, there's other films that do that. You know, to the to the same level. And I guess that's just to me that's a little bit of the sort of like in this case, I think it's more focusing on the sort of self. Uh, like how teenagers just don't really think that much outside of their own little personal worlds. Um, yeah. But the, the and, changing the radio station is 
so common in zombie movies, it might as well just be right. like a, a required ingredient. <clears throat> right. I didn't think that that was like, you know, I think the people that are getting all up in arms about this need to figure out something else to worry about because I really just thought this was fun. Um, and then the the big music, uh, the big set piece, uh, Turning My Life Around, um, that I thought, you know, clearly was they took a lot to choreograph that Um they definitely had fun doing it, um, but like I really that that I could watch that over and over again. I thought that was so much fun, um, where they're just kind of putting in their earbuds, ignoring everything, mm-hmm. and having a lot of near misses, and everything is going to hell around them, and they just don't notice. And I mean, I do think that there is a commentary here, uh, much like the the thing that we talked about earlier with people just looking at their phones all the time. Yeah. Um, where and that I think that's the commentary, and they also have another song in this whole film that I think is a little too annoying. But oh, which one? The human voice. Yeah, well, um, that's the anti-technology they, song, right? Yeah, yeah. Because everybody's like, looking oh, at their phones during that during that. Yeah, song. and it's yeah. yeah th- this is like one of these quiet ones. This is like the bleakest moment of the of the film, or it's supposed to be a bleak moment. The bleakest moment is probably "I Will Believe," the last song in the whole movie, where yep. they're surrounded. Even though we all know that Steph is out there with her car and she's going to rescue them. In a way, mm-hmm. I kind of wish that that had happened so much faster <laughs> yeah it took a long time but yeah there's um, there's two songs that are pretty slow and 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 bleak there was like definitely a few things within this film like i was convinced the grandma was going to come back hmm. and like kill people and she didn't um and uh, you know i did like i kept expecting and i did like the little shout out to uh to ryan and uh ryan gosling and McHenry. um when they did the little, when they were all in the ball pit and talking about who might be dead and alive, like the celebrities. Taylor and, Swift. Yeah, not, why not would, Tay-Tay. What do you, why would um, you even say that? Right, and then the whole, that was like very sweet. Um, but, and I kept being convinced that like some, eventually it happened, but I was like, there's got to be a zombie in there with them. Um, it was funny when the film suggested that they had all fallen asleep in the ball pit, which is not a big inflatable no. swimming pool and four people sleeping in there and under balls i would not i know to. and they make noise i don't know um but I, like i liked i definitely thought that the cast clearly was having fun with this and did a good job um yeah. the other the other scene that really stood out to me was the part where the whole trope where you walk through the woods but instead of through the woods it's through the christmas tree farm mm-hmm. you take the shortcut mm-hmm. and it was inside and i mean you know, I thought that was like a very clever way. I mean, the scene where get... Nick gets all of his friends killed. Yes, that one, and also John gets killed. But, um, but I thought that that sort of trope, that take on the trope, I thought was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I like I really had fun watching this overall. I definitely oh. have some some criticisms in general, just in terms of like the second half. But I, I really enjoyed what they did here and and i don't know i, I would definitely watch this again i, I think mean, we're how, gonna probably do yeah how, how would you want the second half to have gone uh, I'm, I'm trying to think like- um so okay so one of the things that uh, like and you know you and i have talked about this before and it's the whole trope of um the um sort of uh, the main hero suddenly becoming really good at killing zombies um and they do this with her and it's like I get it. Um, 
I think I think what bothers me about this is that like they kind of get her there in terms of her reticence, like oh I don't want to kill these people, I don't want to do whatever. We see that she observes Nick doing his whole thing um, and basically being like, no, you got to kill them. Um, and I just feel like there's a little bit uh, the stuff that they did with her character. I wish they had done. Um, I don't want to say that they had made her less whiny. Um, but like there's something about like the end of it that really troubled me. Um, I, I just feel like, um, I wanted a little bit more out of her at the end. Um, and I didn't, I didn't feel like I got it. And that's, that's, I guess my, my own issue with it. Um, and I just, I don't, what do you mean by you wanted something more out of her? Can you be more specific? Well, I mean, you start out with her in the beginning looking for something more, um, and you do see her appreciating her father a little bit more as he's dying. Um, you see her, <laughs> it's a pretty low but bar. it's like, but he's like dying. Um, you see her appreciating John just when he's dying. Yeah. Um, and there are things that make her character somewhat not likable. Um, and much like Nick becomes more likable, I feel like she becomes less likable. Like she's um, just kind of self-involved, and, and yeah, and and you don't see that growth. Like you only see her sort of forced to growth because all these people have been stripped away from her. But you don't really, to me, you don't really see her appreciating their sacrifices to the level that I I probably would have expected for this character. Um, and, you know, so so it's, to me, it's a little bit of a flat ending. Um, and not, not de- definitely not because of the acting chops of Ella Hunt at all. Not saying that in the least. I just think there wasn't a ton to work with the, with the script, which is what I'm talking about. Like the character development fell flat to me. Mm-hmm toward the end. Um, and this is why I'm wondering if some of this stuff hadn't been really developed. Um, it didn't seem like there was much of a much of an idea of what they were going to do beyond like they were like, ah, oh, we got these really great numbers. Okay, now we're going to do this. I don't know. Like it just felt like they hadn't rounded it out enough. Um, so that was my only sort of criticism in general, um, I guess I wanted her to dominate a little bit more and become much more of a whole person. Um, and, you know, you, you see her mourning John, but not, you know, like it, it's like moving on. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But that's just, that's just one person's take on it. And again, low budget, you know, they like, I, I get the decisions that you kind of have to make in their storytelling. So maybe there just wasn't time to to polish that stuff up enough. Um, but that that was kind of where I like at the like I felt much less positively towards this movie at the end than I did at the beginning. Well, that uh, final scene it. when when the song uh, "No Such Thing as a Hollywood Ending" is playing in the background, the three of them are just driving. I think Steph says, "So where to?" and nobody answers, and it does right. seem a little bit like oh, we're still screwed or. Isn't this exactly in one way you're like, well, this is exactly what Ella wanted is just to be like a leaf on the wind kind of traveler. But on the other Mm -hmm. hand, I think that they're all having it seems like they're all having this realization like we have nowhere to go. Right. We we have no hope in a way. Mm hmm. Except, you know, know, and, and, you know, that's a valid ending. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I think you always have to have a little like little sliver of hope somewhere in there it does help Um, to do that yeah 
It's like, you know, um, that's Day of the Dead ends with them flying away in a helicopter and, like, not sure where they're going to go other than they land on a beach, I feel like, when we reviewed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so this is this is fairly typical for the ending of a zombie movie, but it, it is, it's interesting just because this is, it's not Australia, which is where she wanted to go, but she's, she's traveling, all right. Although one could also make the argument that she's trapped forever because <laughs> she can't go anywhere. Yeah, I suppose um, that's fair. Uh, uh, so, Savage, yeah. did you uh, have any negative reactions to the way his story played out? Um, sorry, who? The headmaster. Um, I, you know, so when we saw him initially, he is very mustache twirly or beard twirly, as it may be, since he's got that phenomenal beard going on. He plays that very tropey headmaster character. Um, I think that he gets into the weeds a little bit and they make him this evil, like beyond evil character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically he's like, yes, I am going to be chaos because that's my role to play and all this other stuff. And I felt like it was a little bit over the top. I still think he was a really fun character, but especially in those end- ending scenes, like it was just a little ridiculous. Um, but, you know, I think that that was somewhat deliberate and they wanted to make him somewhat of a caricature anyway. So, um, you know, I didn't like I get what they were doing, but he was just so over the top, especially in the last scene between uh, Anna and her dad, um, where he's like taking her dad hostage. Like, who does that? And would you really do that in the middle of this thing? I don't think so. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. He he definitely goes off a deep end, uh, and and murders a whole bunch of people uh, by mm-hmm. by proxy. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I, I the the film needed a human villain, and so he right. did as great a job as anybody, um, barring you know the usual suspects of you know the military gone rogue or right. looters or anybody else. So yeah. If if you're if you're gonna fit it into a small tight storyline like this, you might as well make it the real a hole headmaster. Yes, he's a right. sociopath. He'll do he'll do just fine. And so, and of course, he did a he he was just a fun performer to to watch. And when he starts singing, it's like a whole other <laughs> level to his character. So, and also he does some pretty pretty peppy uh, leg steps dance moves. So I was into it. Yeah, I actually liked the music when he just sort of steps in. To the Hollywood ending, mm-hmm. or like he just kind of like steps in and then fades away. I just thought that was brilliant. I thought he did a great job. Like on second watch, I still very much enjoyed it. I still felt like the first half was much more successful than the second half, but I definitely think that it deserves uh, the accolades it got. Um, it's fun, and I I think if you read too much into it. Certainly, like, you're going to, and you're expecting, like, a super high-end polished thing, you're going to get disappointed by this. One thing I will point out, though, and, and this is one thing that I think is very positive, is that the short that this was based on is actually, there's some pretty disturbing stuff in that. Um, and, you know, like, they have, like, like an almost rape of what would be the Anna character um, and some other stuff going on um, that I think that they made a good decision to sort of switch that up and make her a different kind of a character um and so i was happy that they made that switch um but it's kind of interesting to to watch it it isn't good i i won't say that it is um but you can see the sort of kernels of what this eventually what eventually became anna and the apocalypse if you see it okay where can one see 
the zombie musical? It's on you. It's on YouTube. Okay. So you can just look it up. Well, um, do we have any other parting thoughts about Anna and the Apocalypse? Do we wish they would make a sequel? Um, I don't know that a sequel is necessary, though. I think clearly they left that that door open for it. But I think this could probably just stand alone, and I kind of don't think that they should. But they probably will, is my guess. <laughs> what do you think? I think it would be great if they'd make a sequel as long as Nick is dead before it begins. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Steph, and, Steph and Anna take on, you know, Scotland in the apocalypse. I would watch that movie, no problem. And they can find some other uh, male characters who, who don't have as much baggage for like that I bring to it, honestly, just because... Nick is such an asshole. You don't want to, You don't really want to hang out with him. No, I mean, again, he gets a little bit more redeemed at the end, but he's still a dick. So, hey, thanks for listening to our recap of Anna and the Apocalypse. Uh, this was a fun zombie movie. Good for the light-hearted among you, and and the thou thy thine spouses or partners who don't like zombie stuff, but you do. This is this is good entry entry fare, I would say. All right, y'all, there it is, and in the apocalypse, back and better than ever. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and uh, stick around. There's more reanimated coming up soon. Mm-hmm.